coming to you live, whether you're watching on Facebook, which is ridiculous, or as <laughs> it, uh, as Andy's beer says, ridunculous. Ridiculous. Which is even worse. Um, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are coming at you from the Vox World headquarters, relocated to downtown Placentia. If you're not familiar with California, Placentia is a real city. Uh, it is not named after, uh, after birth. And, um, and, and uh, we're in a place uh, owned by a guy named Stev who has awesome tattoos, and it's called Villain Studios. Yep. And we were like, what an appropriate place for Andy uh, in his Ducks uniform to, uh, to show up. So we are, we are recording live today. This is your, this is your election special. Yeah. Right, enough Sean Hannity, enough Rachel Maddow, enough with them. People are dying to know what we have to say. We had to have our own rally. So this here we it. are, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so a couple of things. We're going to record live. There's a there's a uh, there's a room mic. Uh, so so you know, just watch your language, your coughing, your uh, no vomiting. Well, that would be appreciated. That comes out pretty bad on a podcast. Um, and, uh, and then secondly, you only get two Coors Lights. We're at Villain Studios. We have, we're offering Coors Light, at, which is Jesus's favorite beer. That, that is very clear in the Bible. And um, so we're excited about that. Uh, so, so that's live. We're also going to do a little Q&A. Yep. Okay. So, so let's just do this like, yeah. we, like we would normally do a podcast. Yeah. All right. I mean, here we are. Here we are. In Villain Studios. That's right. Now, um, so, so we thought it would be interesting. There's this, uh, there's this election thing coming up and we thought it would be interesting, uh, now that everything else has been said, uh, for us to tell people how to vote. And we just are like, you know what, now, now we're going to do, here's how Jesus wants you to vote. All right. Everyone else has had their turn telling you, this is the, how you should vote Definitive. election day special. All right. And if you do not vote in this way, you are going against Jesus. What is good, true, and beautiful? God will be displeased with you, and He may separate sheep from goats on the basis of how you voted <laughs> later. Now, I'm now, excited to find out who's who's sheep's and goats. Absolutely, on, on that side. <laughs> absolutely. I'll tell you exactly who it is. Um, anyone that likes IPAs and hockey, um, who wears skinny jeans, uh, those are goats. Sheep, sheep are thicker, fuller, more robust. Um, Fuzzier, aimless. Uh, aim, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So, so um, for those of you that are new to the podcast, or for those of you that just found your way into Villain Studios uh, because of the promise of Free Corps Light, uh, I want to remind you a little bit. We've, this is our fifth episode we've done on Jesus of Politics. And um, oh, oh, hold on a second. No, no, no. We can't look at this yet. Oh yes, we can. <laughs> no, oh, yes, no, we can. Whose podcast is it? Well, I... Yeah, whose name is on it? Okay, here we go. All right, that's awful. That's way too narrowly a victory. Okay, well, we won on Kim X. So, so the Vox, the Vox Live uh, podcast, um, the, the crew that was here, we had them just to get you in a voting mood. Uh, Wait, hold on like, real fast. We what? need to do this. CC, can you actually put number tallies on this? Because some of these are really close. I can't actually. No, no. I'm going to tell what they are. No, I know that, but I meant like the like by. If, I don't know who I wins here. I don't want to count them. I know who wins. <laughs> Cargo shorts always win over skinny jeans. <laughs> uh, see, see, that's a clear victory for cargo shorts. Correct. <laughs> this is a clear victory for Pearl Jam. Correct. <laughs> this is a clear victory for anything over Chemex coffee. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> It's a clear victory for football. And who are the abstainers up here? Who are these people? Come on. 
<laughs> for those of you that uh, can't see this because you're listening. And then this is a clear victory for Coors Light. <laughs> right there. Yeah. There we go. So that's, that, so, that's, looking, that's looking about right. All right, so and, we, we and did given, some voting. Explain what we did. So yeah, so um, yeah, for those of you out there who aren't here, we, we did ourselves a little live voting uh, booths with uh, five different options here. Pressing, pressing, pressing issues. Pressing voting issues. Uh, we have in front of me, I'm look, currently looking at the IPA uh, or Coors Light voting ballot. Yep, and they're clearly rigged. Trump um, is yep, right. Trump, Trump is Trump right. Trump is right. It's all rigged. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think football clearly won over football, hockey. Football, yeah. I think, won over yeah, hockey. Which, That's close. No, it should never be close. I think people close. were doing it out of mercy <laughs> just because they're like, oh, Andy, he has brown eyes. They're beautiful. <laughs> Chemex, bro, sorry. Yeah, I don't. I think people don't know what that is. Yeah, because uh, it does not sound organic and wholesome. If you know, you know. And then Pearl Jam. Um, yeah, Pearl Jam or anything else. Yes, anything else looks pretty, pretty. Yeah, uh, but Pearl Jam. Right there. Yeah, but that's Pearl Jam against Adele Everything. and Taylor Swift. Oh, I mean, that's, Pearl a, Jam, that's a good Pearl point. Jam did pretty well. So and cargo shorts definitely dominating over skinny jeans. Now, um, so <laughs> it's because you can carry so many things at the same time. It, they're the Swiss Army knives. Swiss, of, yeah, Swiss of, Army of, knives. Of pennies. Yes. Nuts and bolts, IPAs, <laughs> hockey pucks. No, see it. No, and look. Coffee grounds. No, look. Look at this. <laughs> Which fits better in your pocket? Not the IPA bottle. The Coors Light compact silver bullet is what fits so well. All right, now. <laughs> okay. Enough shenanigans, Andy. You're a little I, I rowdy. Thought, You're I a little that, rowdy I tonight. That voting was pretty important. So, um, so, so a couple of things. Number one. Um, and people hate when I do this, and not that anyone cares when I do this, but uh, I, I, I always, I feel like after, I don't know, six or seven months of this craziness over the last, um, uh, last election cycle, I, I just feel like somebody needs to apologize to planet Earth on behalf of evangelicals. Um, and, and since no one's going to do that, I'll volunteer um, and and I, I get so much flack for doing stuff like this, but like it, I, I would imagine, well, I know that there are people in our audience who uh, are not Jesus fans, not church fans, and um, are horrified. I mean, and I hear from you um, from overseas or, or from, uh, from different parts of the country uh, about how, um, uh, I don't even know the right word, how sorry, how, um, how offended, how hurt and angry um, you are at the way that evangelical, those who call themselves evangelical Christians have conducted themselves. And, and so I always just feel like it necessary for somebody to say, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry we keep screwing this up. I'm not sorry for necessarily all that we're, we're saying or all that we're believing. I mean, I think there's room for all sorts of like really good, lively debate but I'm, I'm so sorry to those of you who are outside the whole Jesus movement for, um, for the way in which we treat people uh, when we disagree with them. The, the name calling, the labeling. I mean, I just, I'm horrified on social media about how people in Jesus' name, because Jesus has an opinion about who we should vote for, just go flaming other people. And, and I just imagine, you know, Jesus up there going, I, I've got other stuff to do, guys. It's, you know, I, I'm good. I don't need you on Facebook defending uh, my candidate. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and as always, I mean, I'm, I'm chief of sinners and part of the problem, but I, I just feel so burdened for those who have rightly noticed that Jesus people, even in their 
exercising their American citizenship very rarely reflect Jesus. I, I'm also bummed at just the whole double standards that we put on display. Um, particularly when it comes to, hey, character matters when it comes to Hillary. She's a crook. She's a liar. She's a cheat. She's a career politician. But Donald Trump, oh, he's just a sinner. King David was like that too. I mean, excusing the most ludicrous character flaws in one candidate by appealing to, oh, we're just all sinners. Uh, and, then, and then making the character flaws of the other candidate uh, the issue. And you just go, I, I think the world just sees through that hypocrisy. And I'm so sorry that that's, that's sometimes what we put on display. And then, and then the biggest thing that I'm sorry and that I've contributed to, of course, is that, that we obscure the beauty of Jesus. And, and so we, we kind of want to reframe a little bit about um, uh, what, what the kingdom of God, if, again, whether or not you're, you're somebody that's into it or not into it, um, how, how it is maybe we've missed a couple of things. And so, oh, thank you. I get, I get hankies. Thank you, Christine. No. Um, <laughs> Because normally, normally I'm in boxers, and uh, and so I don't I don't I don't need anything, and so and I might be now. You don't know, you really don't know. I could be. This young lady right here is looking like she's gonna barf in just a second. <laughs> Have you ever been to Olive Garden, young lady? Okay, you know those breadsticks? All right, that's me. I look like one of those big old doughy breadsticks. All right, so. <laughs> With boxer shorts. <laughs> oh, some of the people are saying, man, we're glad we're not watching this live. All right. Um, <laughs> so the, the thing that's got me totally cranked up about this whole dumb election is the fact that there are people in my tribe um, who have, who use um, my tribal language about faith and allegiance to advocate for candidates as if they like I've, I've there have been very famous theologians who said it is a morally right choice to vote for for Donald Trump or or uh, there were several early on who anointed Trump as God's candidate uh, there were there are and still I mean there there have been uh, philosophers there have been pastors there have been uh, non-church leaders like you know Ralph Reed and and others who have endorsed and it's fine to endorse Donald Trump. I, I could care less. Let me just say for the record, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care. I do not care. I know people who think they have a, a, a constitutional duty to vote for the Republican platform and people that think that they should vote for the Democratic platform. I don't care. What I care about is when the language of faith gets co-opted into just this massive nonsense. That's the thing that has been so, I've been so pissed off about yeah. is that we've got people... And, and, and then the justification, right? So his recording comes out from 10 years ago. And, it's, and, and, and I hear this from people. It's like, oh, yeah, but imagine if you got recorded every time. I mean, who? Uh, okay, but I'm not, I haven't been anointed as God's candidate for anything. So I, I just, it, the thing, man, the thing is crazy. And, and I feel like the way we've conducted ourselves has totally eroded uh, our witness to the world. And, and, and again, I'm speaking hyperbolically. There's so many exceptions to this. But I, but I think for me, that's been the root issue. It isn't that people are going to vote for Trump. I don't care. Or that people are going to vote for Hillary. I don't care. It's when my tribe begins to use language that has to do with some sort of ob obligation as a Jesus follower to vote for Hillary or Trump. It yeah. That's where I draw the line. That's the thing that just cranks me up. So 
We did a bunch of podcasts on this. And, and well, here's what's really interesting. I don't know if you guys saw this. Last week, uh, a, a new study came out. Because the study I've been quoting about Trump has been that um, there was a study that came out early that said that 78% of evangelicals were going to vote for Donald Trump. What I didn't realize is that the, the definition of uh, evangelical in that study excluded anybody who was not white. So it was only white evangelicals. So, yeah, so, they didn't ask me. Dude, you're so white. You might be a little brown on the outside, but let me tell you, Chemex is not a Filipino specialty. Now, it's true. Now, now, it's true. <laughs> but it's okay because the Philippines are leaving America. So I know. What's up with We're that? Out. What's up with We're that? Out. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Now, so so there was a study, and this I think this is so interesting. So so. This study was done by LifeWay, which is a Christian organization. It's like the Southern Baptist Conference Research Center or whatever. Um, and they define evangelicals by their beliefs. So if you believe like four things, then you're considered evangelical no matter what race you are. And the results came out very differently. So, um, so 45% of evangelicals defined this way, we're going to vote for Trump. Uh, 31% were going to vote for Clinton. 8% were going to vote for Johnson. Is that the third party? Yeah. Uh, and then 15%, which is a, a pretty significant number, were undecided. Now, that, that's a whole different narrative, right, than, than the one I've been hearing. And when you, when you split evangelicals between white and non-white, so 65% of white evangelicals are going to vote Trump. 63% of non-white evangelicals are going to vote Clinton. Wow. And so... so that changes the narrative, doesn't it? And so, so for me, that was, that was very eye-opening about, oh, okay, so maybe, hallelujah, we're not as monolithic as has been reported. Mm. I, think that is, I think that's absolutely great news. Um, so we've done, a, we've done several po podcasts on this. So just to review, um, we, I, I think politics is a good thing. Uh, it is a, the word politics, uh, that, that just has to do with how we organize ourselves for our life together. And um, I think that, that it's been hijacked where it's a negative thing, but it didn't start that way. Politics, I think, is a necessary thing when human beings decide to organize. You will have politics. Secondly, having political opinions is a beautiful thing. It's part of what it is to be an image bearer, to use Christian language, in a democracy. Right? I, I would never choose to live anywhere else. I love the fact that our opinions gets, get asked as a part of this whole thing. Um, and so having passionate political opinions, I think, is, is, is a great thing. Um, the third thing we said is that following Jesus has political implications. Now, this is where it starts to get fuzzy, because the minute you say following Jesus has political implications, you immediately, people translate into, that, into Republican or Democrat. And that's where the disconnect happens, because that's not at all what this means. The earliest Christian claim about Jesus, whether you buy it or not, was that Jesus is Lord. That was a Caesar word. Caesar was called Lord. And one of the ways you declared allegiance to Caesar was by that using that phrase. And so when, when, when this little, little sect of, it was thought Judaism initially, when this little sect of, of worshipers of a Nazarene show up and they start proclaiming Jesus as Lord using Caesar language, well, one of the things, one of the reasons why they did that was because they were trying to say you couldn't, you couldn't call both Lord. 
You couldn't say one belonged in your personal, private, moral, spiritual sphere, and then, and then one was lord over the real world. One was lord over private, and one was lord over public. No, no, no. Using, using Caesar words said, no, no, this, this Jesus is lord of the whole package. So we, we never want to buy into the narrative that says, hey, you Christians, don't bring Jesus into the public square. Well, we want to say, why not? You bring your atheism, you, you bring your, your socialism, you bring your feminism. You, br- you can't separate it out like that. This has nothing to do with whether or not you're Republican or Democrat, which is the fourth big point we made. And this one, oh, just to reiterate, the kingdom of God, this was Jesus's word for his movement. The kingdom of God is not a version of the kingdom of the world. Okay, it's not, please understand, because there's this thing out there that just says, hey, if we got the right laws passed, if we just got the right Supreme Court justices in power, if we had a Senate majority and a congressional majority and a, a, a president of the same party, do you know how much good we could do? As if, as if, or how much bad would happen to us if those things went the opposite way, right? I mean, there is this fervor out there about this. And, and one of the things that I think if Jesus were walking around would keep saying, you know, my kingdom's not of this world. It's for this world, and it's by this world, but it's not of it. In other words, uh, the kingdom transcends Republican, Democrat, liberal, progressive, conservative. Uh, the, kingdom, the kingdom would critique both, would affirm both, parts of both, critique parts of both. The thing's so much bigger, but it's fundamentally of a different kind of thing. Then, uh, because what's the defining mark of the kingdom of God? Well, according to Jesus, uh, it's, it's love of enemy. That's when you know people will be children of the Father, is when you love your enemies. Love those who don't love you. What's the defining mark of the kingdoms of the world? Well, I mean, it's power, it's land, it's resources, it's, I mean, of course. And, and hallelujah that we live in a place where that is expressed in a relatively good way. The temptation always is to say, well, we should Christianize the best, best version. And I think if Jesus were walking around, he'd say, no, no, no. The kingdom of God is not the American version of the kingdom of the world or the Saudi version of the kingdom of the world or the Republican version of the kingdom of the world or the liberal version of the kingdom of the world or the socialist version of the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God is just something fundamentally, uh, ontologically different than anything human beings are ever going to cook up. And so Jesus' people are walking around, and, and that's, where, that's where we just, at least, at least I get jacked up, because I want to start anointing, even if it's not candidates, it's platforms. Because I, I'll have people say this to me, how can you not vote Republican, because Republicans are, right, anti-abortion, um, and they're uh, anti-gay marriage, and they're pro-family, and I mean, they're, your Second Amendment rights might be infringed upon, and you know, it's just this interesting sort of narrative. So... This is our review. I hope some of you, have you listened to these things before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, here's where it gets interesting. How, how then, see, the church, and this is, oh, my. The church should be the place. One of the things that Jesus did is he, he pulled in a guy who was a zealot. You guys know who zealots were, right? Uh, zealots were people that murdered tax collectors, murdered Romans, murdered coll- co- collaborators. Um, zealots were people who their 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 chant was uh, no Let's king. Go ducks. What? <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought that was their chant. <laughs> we're going to start a revolution with "Let's Go Ducks." <laughs> 
How does it feel to root for a team whose origins began in a Disney movie? Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it just seems appropriate, you know? Um, and I have no place to talk. I mean, my team's, you know, whatever, but... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Cleveland Indians, what do they got? Charlie Sheen. Yeah, but that was a good movie. <laughs> really? Emilio Estevez? <laughs> I mean, they're related. They're I know, related. Go figure. I know. Seriously. All right. All right. Do you see how this happens? Do you see live people, how it happens? I'm, I'm, I'm doing great stuff, and then Andy just hijacks it. I mean, do you see? <laughs> so so that's, all, that's, all, that's all kind of review. Now, the, the thing that was so interesting about Jesus is that one of his closest followers was a, a guy named Simon the Zealot. And he was so named because he not only embraced the philosophy, but zealots were people who carried little daggers. I think they were called sicarii. And um, they, they were, the reason they carried daggers is that they were always willing and available. Uh, were armed revolt to break out, they were ready. They, were, they, they had their concealed uh, they had their concealed weapon. I mean, and, and these, they, they would sabotage Rome. Um, they, would, they would actively, uh, they got their wish in AD 70 or AD 66 when uh, they provoked Rome to finally invade. Zealots were political insurrectionists. On the opposite end of the spectrum was a guy named Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was uh, helping in the zealots' mind. The, the terrorists. Remember, Rome, Romans were considered terrorists by Israel. They were, it, it's like if ISIS invaded America and they were beheading Christians, right? How happy would the people of Christ be with that? I mean, it'd be awful. Well, imagine if then uh, somebody from some part of Fresno shows up, some backwater part of Fresno, and says, hey, when, when ISIS commands you, is Fresno backwater by, by itself? Is that what that was? Okay. Or we're thinking Lancaster. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's a guy here from Lancaster. Come on. What's the area code of, from Lancaster? Because that's even beyond the 909, right? I mean, that's, that's out there. I love Lancaster. I've sp I spoke there once. It was, it was literally 120 degrees with a brisk, hot wind blowing straight out of Arizona. And uh, <laughs> it was awesome. So, so, so you've got a tax collector who, so the only, see, so ISIS is beheading people. Um, and, and then you have this guy from Fresno walking around saying, hey, hey, uh, I want you to love your enemies. And I want you to pray for those who persecute. And a persecute doesn't mean, oh, I'm losing my religious liberty. Oh, I can't say Merry Christmas anymore. What a bunch of horse crap. That is not persecution, brothers and sisters. Our brothers and sisters getting beheaded, that's persecution. So when Jesus is saying, bless those who persecute you and love your enemies, you're thinking Romans, you're th the Jews are thinking of the Roman terrorists who occupy their land. That's what crucifixion was. Thousands would be crucified at a time. You'd be walking by rotting Jewish men hanging up on crosses. And so we just look at like, oh, here's the cute flannel graph Jesus saying, love your enemies. And it's like, no, 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 no. That'd be like us being invaded by ISIS and then somebody saying, yeah, what I want you to do is when they command you to carry their beheading utensils, I want you to, and they command you to carry it one mile, carry it two. If, if they command you to give up your clothes, give them, give them every last bit of clothing. I mean, this is how radical this guy was. That's the defining mark of the kingdom. And that's what drew 
A guy like Matthew, who was a collaborationist, right? The only people we'd hate more than ISIS would be the Americans who helped them, correct? The only people mm, yeah. the Jews hated more than the Romans were the Jews that helped them. And so here is a tax collector, a sellout. And here's a zealot whose job it is to murder tax collectors. And they both find place near Jesus. That's why we cannot make the Christian position Republican, Democrat, or other. Because come November 9th, the day after the election, right, or come that Sunday after the election, there's a whole bunch of us who need to take the bread and the cup and share the Eucharist together. And if, it's, if it bothers you that you would take the bread and the cup with somebody who voted for the opponent that you hate, then I might just suggest that maybe we've gotten our priorities just a bit out of whack. Correct? And so, so for me, the church should be the place where the, the, Trump, the trumpets, <laughs> the, the, the Clintonites, the Clintonistas, no, how about the Clintonistas? It's not as good. Oh, it's not as good. And the Johnsons? The trumpets. <laughs> and the Johnsons. Amen. Shit, some of you are like, what's that? Why are people laughing at that? <laughs> and the Johnsons should all sit down next together. And <laughs> the trumpets and the Johnsons. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> all right. So uh, now the, the thing that's so interesting to me then is how do we translate this once we get to the voting booth? And, and so a couple of thoughts. This is kind of the point of the podcast. It's okay. How, how do we vote if we're following? Now, again, if you're, not, if you're here... Um, and you're listening, and you're like, not a fan of Jesus, not a fan of church. Man, we're just thrilled. And you know, you're probably going, yeah, you guys are idiots. And we say, yep, oh, we're so sorry. Um, <laughs> yes, it's, it's true. Um, uh, but we, we, do follow, we do follow a guy who said we all needed rescuing. So at least we embody that truth of the story over and over and over again. Um, but for those of us who do follow this crucified Messiah, who said, imitate my sacrifice for the world... How do we carry that into a voting booth when we're choosing between, you know, Clinton or Trump or other? And we've got people saying, well, the Christian should vote for this or I could never as a Christian vote for this. So just a couple of thoughts um, as we go. And, and, um, and, and here's the big one. Understand that, that whatever it is that, that drives you crazy about this election cycle is connected to something bigger. Meaning, how people will vote in this election as, as Jesus followers is connected, even if they don't know it, to how they view the relationship between the church and the state. All right? And, and let me get into this. This is a little heady, and I know this is tough for a Vox podcast crew uh, fueled up on Coors Light. But I, I'm assuming Might some of you... Some are, <laughs> Andy's fired again. Andy's fired again. First time today you've been fired. Um, and so, so but, but think about it this way. All right, so, so there, there are different, and, and a guy named Sky Jathani. 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 He had this really great little breakdown of the different ways church and state has been kind of uh, cashed out in Christian terms. So some of this is his stuff. But uh, I went to college with him. Yeah. He went to college with me. Hey. And, uh, and so he, I'd like to think he still stuff for me. Um, he doesn't. He, uh, but uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the traditional ways church and state has been viewed has been 
um, that they're antithetical. That the church and state should be utterly and completely separate because one values violence and coercion and the kingdom of Jesus does not. So this is traditionally, for those of you that like are playing church history at home, this is the Anabaptist uh, kind of mode of viewing church and state. The church, and, and here the church means the, the, the expression of the kingdom of God, is fundamentally nonviolent. It's non-retaliatory. It is non-coercive. Government, by definition, is coercive, retaliatory, and violent. And so the Anabaptists will say um, that the best way for Christians to participate in the democratic process is by not participating. Uh, because your participation is condoning evil by simply legitimatizing government. So one view is church and state should have nothing to do with each other because they're fundamentally upside down. That you, what's right side up on one is at the bottom on the other and, and, and vice versa. So if you're carrying that view that, that you know, you're a conspiracy theorist, uh, you see government as fundamentally evil, uh, and any expression of government is fundamentally evil, or you see, you see that, um, and a lot of Anabaptist theologians argue this, that government is fundamentally coercive, how are you going to vote? Well, you're not going to. Now, this is the only reason you would not vote, but I'm just saying this is an interesting way to think about how we get to the things that crank us up. Another way to look at it is, um, is to say, okay, church and state are separate but equal. So in the first view, they're separate but unequal. One's good, one's evil. In the second view, one, they're separate, but they're equal. The church deals with salvation of souls. The government deals with the restraining of evil. Okay, and people will use Romans 13 to argue for this. That the role of the government is to have the sword in the Apostle Paul's language. It's to, it's to take vengeance on wrongdoers. In this view, the government isn't a good thing. It's a necessary evil. If human beings had never sinned, there would be no need for government. Right. Okay, so that's the view. Now, if you view the relationship, even if you don't know you view it this way, if you view the relationship between church and state that way, who are you going to vote for? You're going to vote for the person that restrains evil the most and protects religious liberty the most, correct? Because in your view, these are separate things. So the job of the government isn't to do good things. It's just to restrain bad things. It's the church's job to do good things. So you're going to vote for the candidate that restrains evil or promises to and protects religious liberty. Okay? The third view shifts, and it now says the church and state can work in partnership because the role of government biblically isn't just to restrain evil, it's actually to promote flourishing too. And these people will point to Genesis 1 when it says to Adam and Eve uh, to, to order human society in a way that brings flourishing to the world. And they would argue that even in a world without sin, fallenness, brokenness, you'd still have a government. Because government is just what happens when people get organized. So these folks would argue that church and state can coexist for the mutual benefit of people. They, and, and here's their fundamental assumption, that government can do good things. So do you see the difference already? If you believe government could do, thing, do good things, who are you going to vote for? Well, you're going to vote for the person that promises to do the most good for the most people. 
right? So immig immigration, education reform, right? All of these big government initiatives. Well, these are Christians saying, I believe government can do good things. All of the skepticism about big government and big government will screw it up, right? Well, that's the fundamental assumption that they're separate. They deal with separate spheres and you should, they should not be enmeshed. Do you see the difference already? So you can see one platform has one view and another platform has another view. And so all of a sudden, when people are out there saying, well, okay, so, so yeah, Hillary might be this or this, but, I mean, how, how are we going to take care of immigration? I mean, Trump's view of immigration is horrific, and how are we going to take care of education reform? And, da -da -da -da, and, and it's all of these social goods that they're arguing for, right? Well, they're doing that because they, they have a fundamental view of what the state should be. The state should be a partner to the church in flourishing. You have all these people saying, no, 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 man, the, the government should say out of our rights, we should never pass seatbelt laws or smoking laws, people should be free to do what they want, da 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 Why are they saying that? Because they fundamentally believe the only role of government is to restrain evil for the safety of its citizens. Makes sense so far? The, th the fourth view is the wacky one, and, and that's the church should be the state. These are the people who will say, if the person's a Christian, then by default, they're automatically the best candidate. So you have people saying, well, well Donald Trump's a baby Christian. <laughs> right? Or, or, well, or, or they'll say, hey, or they'll say, or they'll say Hillary Clinton went to Bible study for eight years when she was a senator. And all of a sudden, establishing Christian credentials is important to the people who believe that we should have Christian leaders and Christian laws in a pluralistic society. So can you see already the four camps as they flesh themselves out on social media, right? I mean, this is, yeah. these are the fundamental arguments, but they're all starting from, a, they are starting from radically different places. So if someone wants to know, okay, so why do you vote for this or this? I mean, one of the great questions is, well, what do you think the role of the state should be in the Bible? Because you have some texts that say, that, uh, that we should obey our government authorities, right? We have some texts that say that God can use government authorities. We have some texts that say the government authorities should be radically subverted because they represent um, uh, false narratives about what God is like. I mean, the book of Revelation is not an end times manual. It's the most subversive, the most politically subversive document that's ever been produced. It is the retelling of the Roman story around Jesus of Nazareth. It is ridiculous. It is totally and radically subversive of Rome. Rome prided herself. Roma was the great goddess. In the book of Revelation, she is a, remember? She's a prostitute. Harlot? Harlot. Ah, nailed I could, it. Yeah. Andy Bear, with your revelation knowledge. Andy's on fire. Yep, that's right. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag, Andy's on fire. <laughs> We'll never do a live audience again if that's the <laughs> So, So how do we vote? How do we vote Christianly? Well, number one, realize what it is that's got you cranked up isn't the only thing. That's connected to something bigger. And sometimes the appeal that we feel to religious liberty, and by the way, just religious liberty, this is an interesting thing. It's easy to confuse religious liberty and religious privilege, right? What we think are losses of liberty are just, it's actually the dismantling of Christian predominant um, favoring in cultural narratives. 
right? It used to be if you were white and you were Christian, you could pretty much assume that most people shared your view of the world. Well, how true is that now, right? I mean, radically not even close. So, uh, so, so much of the concern about religious liberty, well, we can't say Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay not saying Merry Christmas. I'm okay having to say Happy Kwanzaa or Happy Hanukkah to people who believe differently. Do you see the difference? That's not a loss of liberty. That's a loss of privilege. And if anything, one of the, one of the things that I think I've, re- I've learned as a white, heterosexual, handsome uh, male has been, oh, the, oh, the, the, there are things like the, that are called privileges that I had no idea that were there. And, um, and so for me, the, the, the zeal for protect religious liberty, some of that I, is great, but it's all, every debate is reflected in these bigger issues. So, so just realize that as you're walking into the booth. Number two, uh, and this is a huge one, is November the 8th the only day you vote? See, here's the thing I don't understand. Who cares what you vote for on November 8th? If your life, if you're not voting with your life about the things that you claim to be so passionate about, right? If you're, oh, we've got to to honor the immigrant, and so I'm going to vote. The immigration, to me, is the issue on this. Okay, well, what are you doing? How are you voting with your money? How are you voting with your time? How are you voting when it costs you more than just a political opinion on Facebook? Hey, I hate abortion. I'm anti-abortion. Great. Who have you walked with? Have you opened your freaking home to foster kids, to orphans, to, to a young lady that uh, would abort otherwise, but if you will take the baby, they'll keep it, right? I mean, it's easy to be, to be anti-abortion freaking once every four years. It's a lot harder right, to be anti-abortion and pro-life the rest of the time, right? And so that's the thing. Who cares? Who, I don't answer to the freaking American electorate. I answer, evidently, to this King Jesus. And he's way more interested in how I vote with my life than how I vote once every four years. And if I took the passion, the energy, the billions of dollars spent on one voting day, and we took that to actually become people who look and act and talk like this Jesus, you wouldn't need the elections every four years, right? The world would just be a vastly different place. So please understand, all the pressure and all the, the, the talk is on what goes on in that little booth and the results that come after. And I think our God just doesn't care I think he's way more interested. If you're angry at other people who vote differently than you, and yet you do not vote that same way with your real life, who's the hypocrite? Eh. Right? Yeah. Was that an eh? I was like that. Like, eh. Then, is someone then preaching? what are you doing? It's so, you're it's preaching. It's in Villain Studios. There's <laughs> preaching. <laughs> Could you imagine how horrific that would be? Well, yeah, because Eddie Vedder would be vice president. Oh, no, I laid out my platform. Janet Jackson would be vice president. <laughs> That's true. George R.R. Martin would be secretary of defense. <laughs> oh, no, I laid this out. I might go with Henry Rollins for State, secretary of defense. Okay, that, that'll work. State of Love and Trust would be our national anthem, okay. and you will stand. There's no, there's no kneeling during State of Love and Trust by Pearl Jam, let me tell you that right now. Um, 
And the SNL Black Lives Matter skit will be played like nonstop. <laughs> I think that is so brilliant. All right. All right. Are you ready for a couple more? And then we'll do some questions uh, if I haven't lulled you to sleep completely. Um, and, and this goes back to the previous point, point number three about how we vote. How you carry yourself November 9th is more important than how you vote November 8th. Meaning, if, if all, of, all of the Christians get to social media to complain about how awful life's going to be, we've just revealed the idolatry in our hearts. That somehow, God's work on earth is hindered or helped by whoever's in the presidency or whoever is on the Supreme Court. And that is the biggest blasphemy of it all. Right? That's, that is what's being exposed in the evangelical subculture is that we really don't believe following Jesus makes sense in the real world. So we have to put our trust and faith in leaders and laws to make sure it happens. And that is so unbelievably bogus. And so if, if, if Jesus' people get on social media bemoaning and wailing and insulting and lamenting, what have we just said? Well, we've just confirmed we're just like everybody else, right? There is no transcendent hope. There is no possibility of redemption. Nope, country's going down the tubes because the other person won. So I, again, vote however you want to vote. Couldn't care less. But let's not pollute the beauty of Jesus in the process. You want to vote? You want to be politically active? Hallelujah. Do it. But, but we've been exercising it in a way that has, that has brought dishonor to the, the one we're supposedly following and voting in his name. Uh, for me, I, I, I just, because people will ask, um, I, I can't personally vote for either one of the two major party candidates, and I don't know if that means write-in, I don't know if that means uh, Johnson, I don't know, I don't know if that means uh, abstaining. Um, and, and I will get so much grief for this because people will say it because they've said it all over every time I post on something. It's, well, if you don't vote, it's a vote for Clinton. Um, or if you vote for third party, it's a, it's a wasted vote. And, and again, this, see, this is the binary, outcome-based, pragmatic system that has gotten us, got us in this effed up place to start with. I'm not voting. I'm voting as an extension of Jesus following, regardless of outcome. An election is not about an outcome. It's about what happens to my character and my Jesus following in the process of using my citizenship and giving my say-so. Right? That's what it is. So don't give me this a vote for one as a vote uh, uh, against another. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Only in a closed system that only and, and, and at the and, and only in a closed system where the only thing that matters are outcomes does that nonsense even fly. Hmm. What matters is how I represent Jesus as I exercise my American citizenship. That's what matters. That's what he's interested in. So if your Jesus following leads you to vote for Clinton, vote for Clinton. If your Jesus following leads you to vote for Trump, vote for Trump. But none, none of us, no matter who we are, should ever get the impression that agreement with our political views is a precondition for following this Jesus. Right? There is no Christian position. We could point out stuff, that we could point out hypocrisy in the Republican platform, in the Democratic platform. There isn't one that captures the kingdom of God. There's just not one. So let's just abandon the, this is the Christian position, and let's just say, oh, this is mine. This is mine. And leave it at that. Because it's not about outcomes, Andy. All right, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> How long has it been going? That's all I, I got. Doesn't matter.
Oh, oh, that's 51 minutes. Not bad. We're, we're, we're more like 45. Okay. Oh, right well, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so should we, should we do some comments, questions? Yeah, absolutely. Because these good folks we have should. sat through all this. And they can, you guys can ask whatever you want. It doesn't have to do with this. So it can. I, it'd be great if it did. Well, Any, yeah. Anything? <laughs> <laughs> Who are these three guys right here? I know. I recognize you. Hey, Yes! Go. Okay, I thought maybe that would. Did you guys sneak? Oh, you're drinking the Coors Light. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. Nice job. Okay. There's another, in Rome. there's another podcast called Bros, Bibles, and Beers, which I don't know why we have an affinity with. I don't know. Just shockingly, <laughs> we have an affinity with. We're hoping for uh, sisters, scripture, and uh, sangria. <laughs> um, as a, as kind of a sister as podcast a here at some point. Sutter Home! Oh my goodness. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There all you right. go. Sisters, Scriptures, and Sutter Home. Oh. All right. So, hey, uh, anything you want to talk about? We'll, we'll, we'll go 20 minutes. Yeah, or until raise you guys it. And look. I'm going to bring Do microphone it. to you guys. To you. Yes. Ish. As far yes. as I can go. You know, it's so funny, Andy, because I'm, I'm looking over at Facebook Live, and, I'm, and I, I, if you would have told me, like, it used to be that radio shows were just on the radio. Right. So Dan Patrick was just on like, but now you can watch radio shows. And I find that so compelling. I don't know why. It's just people like here talking. It's like, I don't know. There's not even free beer. Okay. Bros, Bibles and beer guy. Number one. Okay, Number one. Hey, thanks, Mike. Um, thanks, Andy. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you any more than Mike. Oh, bros, Bibles and BS is now I'm going to rename that thing. You, usually. Yeah. Um, so I remember back in 2003. Whoa! Yeah, it's a long time ago. Uh, this is when uh, Gray Davis was recalled, and all of a sudden you've got a plethora of people running for California state governor, including a porn star and who, who and then a, uh, you know, didn't a Gary Coleman? Holder. Didn't Gary Coleman run? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Those um, were good. Those were heady days. Yeah. <laughs> But then on the Republican side, you, you have Tom McClintock, who was probably the smartest one out of all of them, had the best ideas and could have got us out of a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. But then Arnold Schwarzenegger pops up. That's what I'm talking about. And now you have Republicans, a.k.a. Christians, right? Uh, now in a dilemma. Who do we vote for? McClintock right? or Schwarzenegger? Yes. And if we vote for McClintock. Yes. Because Schwarzenegger is more popular, yeah. Now all of a sudden, voting for McClintock is a vote for the other guy, yes. whoever that was, Bustamante or whatever. Yes. I, I man, I just can't help but think this is the same dilemma that we're in. I can't vote for either one. I cannot vote for Trump. Yep. I can't. I definitely can't vote for Clinton. Right. I can't vote for Trump. He's I mean, right. Right. I mean, he he, he Insane in the membrane. Yes. As, yeah. That's yeah. a technical diagnosis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So I think we're in the same dilemma, right? But I, I let, uh, you know, like we, you said. So I the think outcome, Ar yeah. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger then is the answer. I think there's no. <laughs> I, I think he's the right-in candidate. But 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 that's exactly right, right? I mean, that's that's the calculus that traps us. Is it's a closed system, and there are only so many votes to go around, and so you either get behind and, and you, you know, and, and that's, that's the Republican plea these days by Pence, right? Is, hey, come back guys, come back. We need you, we don't want her to win, come on, come on. But, but I mean, you know this, the whole election's been premised on, um, it's not a vote for, it's a vote against, right? And, and you just go, I, I, 
at some point, enough American citizens will decide we no longer accept the two choices. And there will be enough of us who will actually force a third party into the equation. And so, because I, I, I read somewhere that it was only 9% of the electorate that voted in the primaries. Yeah, so 9% of it's the crazy. country gave us these candidates. Thank and, you. and at some point, the, the, the 91%, I'm going to occupy primaries, the 91% needs to just say, no, we reject these options. And so you're right. If it's, if it's just political calculus, yeah, it's a wasted vote. But for me, it's an extension of Jesus following. And that's where I go. I, I can't endorse what Clinton stands for, although some of, uh, some of the platform I totally buy. I can't endorse what Trump stands for, although some of the platform I totally buy. And so I either abstain and say, this is my protest. My protest, but, but hold on, this raises an interesting thing. Imagine if I went to a church on that one's Tuesday, and I, I had a sticker that said, I did not vote today. <laughs> How much crap would I get? You'd get a lot of crap, right? It's, in, in Christianity, voting is like a sacrament. Like, if you don't vote, that says something about your Jesus following. And we just want to say, no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have to. Now, yeah, if it's from apathy or whatever, sure. But this is not a Christian duty, brothers and sisters. There are bigger Christian duties than that. So great. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Young lady right here. Nice. Okay. <clears throat> Do not go to the bald guy in the back. Do not go <laughs> to I'm Chad. making my way. I have enough. Here we go. When you talk about lamenting the day after, you mean in Jesus' words. Yes, or do you mean, like, can, can we just be horrified the yeah. day after? Yes, if you're privately horrified, be privately horrified and lament. Just Absolutely. Just don't talk about it. Just don't. I, I think what I have in mind is what happened after Obama got elected, reelected. All, all the Christians, see, every election is the most important one. Every election is going to define the Supreme Court for generations to come, right? So what happened on social media when President Obama was reelected is that all the Christians came out and publicly were wailing, tearing sackcloth. This is awful, right? And, and, you, and you just went, what's this reinforcing? What, what is this saying to a skeptical world already put off by the way we conduct ourselves, right? That's just that. So, so yes, I, President Clinton or Trump will sound weird on November 9th. Right. Even if even we have one at that point, I mean, who knows how ugly this could get. So so I think there's lament every direction possible. But what are we what's the good news we bring to the world, even in our lament? This doesn't none this none of this has the last word over human life. None of this has the last word over flourishing. So, yes, be horrified, gather together um, in puddles. And, uh, and, and absolutely, it's just how, how, how are we going to be towards those who are crowing uh, on social media to those who are at work who are just like, yes, your candidate ate the dust and it's awesome and you suck and da, da, da. That's when it matters, right? That's when the whole bless those who persecute you, like that's when that becomes super important. So of course, of course lament and of course grieve. I grieve the whole thing. I just think how Paul spends so much time talking to Christians about how to behave in front of outsiders. Social media has lulled us into thinking that that's a whole different set of rules. So that's all. Does that help? Yeah. That's a great question. Great question. Thank you. Okay. No, I got one over here. The Chad okay, was over there, but I, I'm scared. <laughs> Wait, here we go. 
I'm almost there. Oh, this is the gentleman from Lancaster. A voice crying out in the wilderness. <laughs> Make straight the way of the Lord. Yes! Uh, Mike, you mentioned the idea of blessing those who persecute you. And yes. That's a really powerful idea, but I, I wonder, too, if sometimes we as Christians focus so much on that that we ignore the question of what are we supposed to do when there's someone who's persecuting someone else. Ooh, um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, obviously, there. Uh, first of all, that's a great question, and this this even gets into retaliation, violence, nonviolence. I mean, you're hitting on all kinds of like really good stuff. Um, the language that Jesus uses about blessing, turning the other cheek, all those have to do with personal insults. So, the slapping of the cheek was an insult. We've covered a bit of this on the podcast. I won't go over it again. Um, uh, there are some who will say that even intervening when evil is being done to others is, is wrong. Um, and I'm assuming, we're, we're talking about most normal, like, like I'm watching my son or uh, a friend or a coworker. Um, there's a difference in my mind between intervening with malice and with, ven with vengeance or intervening in order to protect. And so if I'm intervening to, to bring light to, to let authorities know, that to me is totally Christian obligation 101. Absolutely. If I'm intervening, because this is in my heart, to punish, to get back at, to, um, uh, to retaliate. Because um, I, I, I've been shocked. Is that train? That was a train. I thought that was thunder for a second. I was like, oh, it's thundering. Um, that was a train, ladies. Podcasters, there are trains in California. And, um, and, and what? Because there's no thunder in Because there is no thunder. That's, that's very true. <laughs> now, so, so are there times when we should intervene? Absolutely. Uh, but even in those interventions, is it possible to do it out of love and compassion rather than hatred, violence, malice? And that's, that's the tough one for me. So if I see, you know, if I see someone uh, talking about my wife, if I see someone picking on my kid, my natural instinct is power and violence. That's naturally what I go to, right? I mean, that's just what we, that's, that's what our world is and what our world celebrates. I just want to hold out the possibility that there are ways to intervene that, that don't provoke that in me. And so that, 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 they, that, that the blessing of the persecutor wouldn't be my non-intervention, but rather my intervening in such a way as to let the consequences take their course rather than my, my anger and rage being brought to the table. Does that help? Is that, am I fishing close to what you were asking? Yeah, it's, it's similar. I guess um, as a white straight male who works at a school where I have a lot of students. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Uh, that definitely hits a lot of it. As a white straight male who works at a school where like a lot of my students don't fit a lot of those labels, yes. um, I'm concerned that, um, as you were talking about November 9th, I'm concerned about um, if my blessing of a Trump presidency yes. as a possibility right. um, might in some way be dismissing the needs of my students um, yes. who and are very different than I am. Yes, and, 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 and that, in that, absolutely. So, so in your case, vote for Hillary or vote for whoever. But let's say Trump wins. Is it possible for you to bless the people who will be crowing that day or the people that will be, you know, 
standing victorious, we've got America back that day, right? Is it possible in those circumstances? Absolutely. But if you're saying as an act of protection for those who don't fit the Trump version of America to vote for something other than Trump, I, I think you're dead on. Absolutely. That is a, that is a, I think that's an extremely Christian reason to vote, but it's not the only Christian reason to vote. No, well said, well said. Great question. Lancaster, bring it. All right, anything else you guys want to talk about? Well, well, let's get Kayleen, and we'll go to you, Matt, after. So the idea of you not voting makes me sad because of props and measures that make a big impact on, like he said, like our students and kids. Totally. I didn't say I wasn't. I was saying I, I was know, open to the it. The idea of it makes me sad. Okay. <laughs> okay. And also... Um, Yes, there, there, is, there is the view, and I think that's very, a very important point, to just say I'm abstaining from the presidential race and I'm voting down ballot because yeah. all those things matter. Okay, because they're impactful. And also, um, I never know how to respond to people who justify voting um, for a particular candidate because he's going to protect Israel, and that's biblical. Do you know anything about that? Oh, I... Oh, I, I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. I, I would like to know because that, that gets brought up a lot. Okay. Um, oh, man, I thought I was going to get out of here alive. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to get out of here alive. Dang it. Um, all right. Well, I already hinted that uh, my view of Revelation does not line up with the standard premillennial dispensational view of how things are going to go during the last days in which Israel will then be victorious over a thousand year millennium and, and so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. Uh, I think Paul clearly states that God has plans for Israel. The question is, who's Israel? Is it ethnic Israel? Is it Israel, Israeli citizens? Is it those that are fourth? Uh, is, is it ethnic? Like, to what level? Half? A quarter? An eighth? A sixteenth? Uh, is it only those people living in Israel at the time? Or when Paul talks about being uh, circumcised by the heart and being joined into, uh, like grafted in as a non-Israelite? I mean, so there's confusion there. But the bigger point is this. I'm a huge, we, we were Israel last year. I love Israel. I, I, I'm such a fan of Jewish men and women. I just am like, oh my goodness. But, but Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, he seemed to be quite comfortable critiquing his own people. If, if our love of Israel prevents us from ever naming or opposing any atrocities committed by the Jewish people, um, then I'm off the bandwagon at that point. I, I think Israel has a, has a unique and special place in God's heart. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know how it's spelled out. I do know this that the standard arguments for America needs to protect Israel because of the end times are dead wrong, theologically. They're just absolutely false. And they're, they're based on a total misreading of Revelation. So should we stand up for Israel? Absolutely. Absolutely. But for other reasons. So, and, and I, w I would say this. I mean, when we were over there, there, there is something, um, it's, like you're, it's like Jesus following goes from black and white to color. And you're hearing of the atrocities committed on the Jewish people, um, but you're also seeing 
the uneasy tension that exists in the occupied territories. And, and I mean, so there's racism on both sides. There's hatred on both sides. There's violence on both sides. So I don't think Jesus' people just, if, if Jesus didn't pull punches when he was here, I don't think Jesus' people blindly say, okay, well, this crew gets a pass. I, I think that we test everything and hold on to the good. So I'm, I'm rambling around trying to hit several different points. Big point number one, I don't buy the framework out of which that argument is made. Number two, I do think we should befriend Israel and be massive friends of Israel. But as Jesus followers, my Palestinian brother in Christ is more important to me than any, uh, according to the scripture, than any ethnic, political, tribal bond there is, correct? So if my Palestinian brother in Christ is suffering, that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer, correct? So uh, to me, I try to get out of the looking at the, the conflict in, in binary terms and say, no, Jesus would critique both. Jesus would speak truth to both. Jesus would invite peacemakers to come forward and advocate the way of nonviolent reconciliation. And Jesus' followers stepping into those things have to be suspicious of the false binary choices. You're either pro-Israel or against Israel. No, I can be, I can be very pro-Israel recognizing Israel's not the kingdom of God on earth. I can be very pro-America and pro-military and pro-police by so recognizing that there are some abuses that are out there, right? So I just, I, I'm tired of playing that game, that dumb social media binary, we don't have room for nuance game. So for me, yes, okay, great. Um, I think Clinton will protect Israel because of strategic interests. But regardless, to Christianize protection of Israel, I just don't buy. Kayleen. Kayleen. Dang it. All right, Matt. A couple more. Hey, Mike. Well, hello. So you've uh, talked about uh, abstaining from voting as an option. Well, yes, but it made Kayleen sad. So, well, I'd love to just tap into that a little bit more. And okay. for those who for those who can't see me or listen to the podcast, um, I'm I'm a white male, and uh, <laughs> it's I, confession I, time. Yeah. And uh, someone brought something to to mind to me a couple of weeks ago, and I, I haven't been able to let it go. And I'm just curious your thoughts about it. Hmm. Um, it's been even tempting for me to think about abstaining uh, from the vote uh, because I'm not thrilled with the candidates. Uh, but an African American female friend of mine. Um, was kind of discussing how um, it's really easy for a white male to just say, I'm <laughs> abstaining from the vote, when that is something that African-Americans So, yeah, abstaining is a form of privilege. Uh, yeah, exactly. African-Americans and females have um, fought for the vote. That was something that, we, that white males had for a very long time. Damn it! Um, <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I'm not saying... See, uh, the fact that I've never had to think about it shows that she's right. Right. Well, I guess that's that. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. There may be there may be more prevailing reasons not to. But but see, I mean, this is and, and this is what make make some of the older generation so infuriated and make it makes Trump so attractive. The nuancing that they call political correctness that we all have to do in this great soup of people now, they hate that. Right. The older generation, some of the older generation just absolutely hates. I mean, that we have to confess our privilege and that that I have to apologize for being a white male and that I'm somehow responsible for the evils of the world. And right. I mean, can't you just hear that narrative kind of underlining your question? And, you know, who cares what this black woman thinks? Blah, 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 blah. 
And, and, it, and, it's, and it's, it, it's an interesting thing because I think the journey a lot of us has, have been on, you know, as we've watched things in Ferguson and, we, and this whole discussion of privilege has, has been on the forefront of, it is um, I don't have to buy everything they're saying to agree with the fundamental premise that things that I take for granted are taken, have had to have been fought for by other people. That's just true. That's historically true. There is no argument about that. Um, and so I think that is such a beautiful and interesting point. And, I, and, and so my initial reaction is the same one that you have. It's like, yeah, that's, that's really, I've it never dawned on me that I'd never had to fight for the right to vote. It's really good, really good. I hate people that make me think like that. I just, <laughs> I want to live in the echo chamber of Andy saying, yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Got another one over here. That tribe, the tribe is. We're all from Lancaster, by the way. He wow. Just, they just still live there. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So a question would be like, I mean, and I think you're going to have probably a lot more to say about this than I would, but as I look at scriptures and the way that Jesus handles and approaches the government in the way that like he responds to it. It seems like he's submissive to it in the sense that he abides by the rules and the laws. At the same time, there's almost a flippancy in the way that he discusses it. That's right. And almost like kind of seems not necessarily apathetic, but almost an opting out at times. Well, he just turns. No, that's beautiful. Was that the rest of your question? I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want no, to confirm how good so it was. No, so I guess, like, how does, I guess then, if that's the case, like, how do we, like, the classic WWJD, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, but there's not, like, we can build, like, a huge, like, I mean, he doesn't discuss it that much. So, like, how do no, we engage about which, that? which is interesting in and of itself, is it not? Yeah. That it didn't dominate his discussion. So, here's things that Jesus did. Now, now consider fitting all of these into one one coherent package and then you'll realize why it is we have all these different views so um yeah hey we got to pay tax uh, peter go catch a fish go ahead let's pay the tax um hey jesus shouldn't we pay taxes to caesar and we did a podcast on this and it was like jesus did the most brilliant undermining of the jewish leaders and caesar ever he said hey whatever has caesar's image on it give it to back to caesar which was the coin that was considered unclean and defiling but whatever has god's image on it give it to god in the jewish mind what has god's image the human person meaning caesar doesn't own jack all he owns is the metal that's it so, I mean, that's incredibly subversive. He calls King Herod, he calls him a fox, which was a, a, an insult. He, uh, insult meaning cunning, conniving, weak. Um, when, uh, when pressed for political answers, Jesus always turns political questions into kingdom questions. So he never, never goes kingdom, or never, never goes political. And he has plenty of opportunity to. And you have to understand, the, the occupation of Rome was the political issue of the day. And people could vote. Now, they couldn't vote like we do, but you could vote by either keeping your head down and working or by collaborating with the Romans and trying to earn some money, by violently or you know, passively sabotaging Rome. I mean, people were expressing their say-so in lots of different ways. And what you see Jesus doing, I love your word flippant, because it's not apathetic. I think Jesus had very strong opinions about it. When he's looking at Pilate, man, that, that dialogue at the end of the book of John is the most brilliant. I mean, that's where Jesus just shows, shows his chops. It's like, hey, just so we're clear, 
I give my life. You don't take it. I could call him my father and he could bring down, you think you got legions? My father's got legions. Uh, but my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, we'd be fighting right now. But it's not. It's a fundamentally different sort. And, and the dance that he does with Pilate where he refuses to legitimize. Here's what he does. It's so brilliant. He refuses to legitimize Pilate's power. Here's what he says. You would have no power if it were not given to you from above. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. So the one hand, you have, yes, meek and mild Jesus. Um, uh, obeying the laws of the land. And you have Paul encouraging Christians to obey the laws of the land. Absolutely. You have a flippancy that's, that's it's not sarcastic, it's not uh, shallow, but it's a, hey, everything that you guys think is important really isn't so important. It's that kind of flippancy. It's really beautiful. But then you have a defiant Jesus, defiant against the religious rulers who were being political, and the Roman ruler. Now, again, the defiant wasn't violent, it wasn't coercive, and it was love. But it was still defiance when he refused to play the game and simply allowed the course of events he knew would lead to his crucifixion to take place. So, your question's brilliant. And I think people can find in Jesus justifications for all sorts of things. What I'm interested in is, is holding all those things in tension. And, and that's where, for me understanding that Jesus's concept of the kingdom of God was a, is a political concept. It's, uh, Shane Claiborne wrote a book, I don't know, maybe 10 or so years ago, it was Jesus for President. And it was really interesting because to some Jewish circles, Christ was a presidential word, right? It wasn't just Messiah like Savior, it was king. It was a kingly word. And so Jesus Christ, Jesus King, Jesus Caesar, like, uh, like that, there, there's something there that many theologians are picking up to say that our, um, to say that when, when Christians advocate blind obedience to nationalism, right? Because so much of Christianity has been co-opted by American nationalism. That, 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 no, you can't call Jesus Lord and recite the Pledge of Allegiance without qualifications, right? You can't, like, like, like the earliest Christians would never have said our Pledge of Allegiance, they, they just wouldn't have said it. That, no, no, no. Because, again, their Pledge of Allegiance came at the point of a sword. Ours doesn't. But the, the, but the wrangling and the Christian guilting we do when people are deemed unpatriotic, oh, my goodness, they would have had problems with that. Again, rambling, fishing around, stream of thought. Um, but, but, but you raise such a great issue, and I feel like it needs to be hit from several different angles. Great stuff, dude. Uh, was that helpful-ish? Sir, Chad, you had one, right? All right, last one. one. No, can't, that can't be. We need a non... You better not finish last here. Okay. <laughs> but hey, first of all, thanks. I love being in a room where we're worshiping Jesus and drinking beer, even though it's Coors Light. It's cool, and we get to do that. That's awesome. Uh, so I have a question. Uh, I have the luxury of being Canadian, and I'm not allowed to vote technically. <laughs> oh, you're loving life right now. You're so like, it's a <laughs> But, like, uh, the day after the election, I'll be with a buddy of mine. Yes. And he's a Buddhist. Yes. And he's Chinese. I love him. And hates Trump. Shocker. Yeah. But how do, so how do I take this as an opportunity to turn this around and not being a Republican, Democrat, this or that, but being a Jesus follower, to take this opportunity to say, okay, and frame this in a way, because I also have other friends that are just staunch Trump haters or strong. Sure. ABC, anybody but Clinton, or this or that. Like, <laughs> use these 
arguments. Right. right. Because I want to be a kingdom follower, and who cares? Right, right, right. At the end of the day, I want that person to be with me and Jesus in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do I use this as an opportunity to frame that in a, whether who wins or who loses, we're all losers, but this year especially. Uh, you know, so <laughs> how do I frame that? Yes. Bring that around. Are you got, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Here's what it is. Yeah. Um, to me, the day after is just a great time to ask questions. How are you feeling? Why are you feeling this way? What's your greatest fear? What are you worried will happen? Um, particularly for those who are like, so let's say Trump wins and, and you have folks that are afraid, who are legitimately afraid of what America will become. Or so it'd be your Buddhist friend. So for me, anytime you're, you're in stuff and anytime you're wanting to frame stuff, I never start, I never want to lead with talking. I always want to lead with listening and asking. And so, hey, what's today like for you? Um, if you've had political conversations before, how, how is today sitting with you? I mean, what, what, and, 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 and just let him vent, let him, let him go off and just and enter into in solidarity with the, the laments, you know, of this person's heart. And what are the things, what are the places where you see common ground where you go, man, that's a kingdom concern. That's absolutely, man, I back that a thousand percent. You know, I really, and, and enter into those, right? See, we've, for far too long as Jesus followers, we've insisted people join us on our ground. We never, we never join people on their ground. And we do that physically. So you have to come to church. Even your comment about drinking beer, right? I mean, it's, it's in the public imagination. Jesus following and like being normal don't even fit together, right? And so, and so. Hey, not of this world. <laughs> no, but we're for this world. So, so if you want to be not of this world, that's great, but do it in a way that makes sure that communicates you're for this world, right? Yeah. So, so how do you communicate that you're for this, this man, for this friend? You do it by listening. You do it by sympathizing. You do it by finding common ground and jumping in um, and by not panicking. By, by simply being a stable, joyful, gentle presence that isn't caught up in all of the craziness, but is willing to enter into his. And then, and then, and then, who knows where the conversation will go. But see, that, that and, and I know, I don't know, I doubt this is helpful, Chad, but the, the thing that, that you and I will want to do more than anything else is talk. And, um, and I've just found such great reminders in the art of listening and asking good questions and just letting people share like what's really going on and then just being with them in it not judging it not critiquing it not fixing it not just sitting there going yep that's vomit <laughs> right yep yep i could see i really could see why you felt this way i have no idea from your perspective it being this i mean all of that bro see because the the conversation you're going to want to have isn't on november 9th the conversation, who knows when that conversation will be, but November 9th is the perfect opportunity to be the kind of joyful presence and gentle presence in somebody's life that's non-political, that simply says, you know, this, isn't, this is not an important thing to me. What's an important thing to me is you and how you're feeling. Make sense? Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's do one more. One more. One more. Here we go. I need, I need a non-white woman, uh, Buddhist, well, like African-American... <laughs> This is not actually a question. It's just a comment. Wow. Um, I wow. Well, so I just wanted to say. Um, Hold on. Is it a good compliment? Yeah, is it a compliment? Yeah. Is it it's a compliment for, compliment? It's for Andy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I just wanted to say that, like, I appreciate the conversation that I feel like I've been a part of over the last year where 
uh, you've brought complexity to this like world I, we live in that is I brought complexity to complexity. Yeah, I mean, you that's just, what I do. You recognize the complexity in these really difficult um, oh. conversations and situations. But it's been really, uh, as a girl who grew up in Orange County, a Christian, um, to feel like uh, I don't cry. That's all right. That's all right. Um, We're getting it. Podcast <laughs> ratings just went through the roof. No. <laughs> you know, just to have been raised in the. Can typical. you give birth right now or something? I mean, just something extreme like that. No, unfortunately not. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> no, just to feel like, um, like I've been, like I was raised a Christian, and mm-hmm. I had a whole uh, catalog of understandings of what that meant I was supposed to be, and so for a really long time, I didn't see in, uh, in my relationship with Jesus space for me to see the world the way I saw it, mm. and mm. Um, to just feel like I mm. don't have to hide. Uh, I don't know that, like that I'm kind of progressive, or that I want to protect my students, um, or you know that, and to be able to sort of have conversations with my parents that I wasn't always <laughs> able to have. Um, I just really want to thank you because I, oh. it's, it that has been really freeing. What an honor! Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's very cool. That's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. Uh, yes, my mom is horrified. My mom, my mom's a trumper, trumpet, and uh, <laughs> she's, quite the trumpet. she's just, and I tell her, mom, you're allowed to be wrong, um, and she, uh, she doesn't handle that. Um, all right, so, guys, I, this, this is seriously one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done. I am so grateful that you would take time. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, we're going to stop play, uh, stop record here in a second, and we just want to hang out. And uh, you're more than welcome to stay as long as you can. But for those that are, are tuning in, and we'll get this uh, the Monday after we record it, I just always want to say thank you for the, the, the place we get to play in your life. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. I mean, thank you for that. And um, I, I think that the, the most um, staggering part of the whole podcast thing has been that you get to enter people's worlds where they are. And... Um, um, so it's when you're in the gym or when you're, you know, in the car or whatever. And it's just, it's absolutely me. I never would have dreamt a year ago um, we'd be having so much fun doing this. So um, as always, let's do our little, uh, our little thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to come up with a new one. I mean, this one, this one's a year old. I feel like we need a year two benediction. It's, it's a little more than a year old. Uh, <laughs> Thousands of years, Okay, possibly. okay. <laughs> Did we, we did what? Did we do one from Flash Gordon? Did we yeah, do we did that. For Flash? Yeah, we did that. Oh, that was the greatest thing ever. All right. Um, so, brothers and sisters, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we're so grateful for you. And um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And these days, may he give you peace. Until next time, thank you so very much. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And as always, comment, share, and interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxpodcast.